Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and your texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything else going on in your life that you'd like biblical or pastoral advice on. I'd love to talk with you and hopefully answer some of those questions for you. Or if you have a prayer request, do call in. We'd love to pray for you here on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. You're hearing this program live. And we also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. And also those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So great to see how uh, the, this uh, program is being heard all over the country. And we know there are also many of you who listen online uh, through our app and through the website. Uh, almost every week now I'm getting people uh, texting me after the show saying, hey, I listened from uh, Florida or I listened from Washington or California, Arizona, Texas, places like that. So if you are listening, um, we're glad that you tuned in. No matter how you tuned in, we just want to remind you on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee that you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind, but we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you call in with your questions. Just keep in mind that uh, you're calling in on a, on a one-week delay, but that also gives you a chance to go back in a week from now and listen to yourself on the radio. So that's a chance that, that's an opportunity that our live listeners don't have. So that's an awesome thing. But also, hey, if you did you know that if you ever miss an episode of Calvary Live, or let's say maybe you wanted to re-listen to one, you heard something that was particularly good, or maybe you had to cut out in the middle of uh, one of the answers that was being given or questions that was being asked, did you know that you can get the episodes, you can actually get them on podcasts. So they release, uh, they do a week at a time. And if you just go into the iTunes podcast store, or if you use like uh, on Android, if you use uh, some kind of podcast engine on there as well, something like Podcast Addict is the one I used to use. Um, And if you go in there and you search for Calvary Live, it'll come right up and you can uh, download and listen to old episodes while you're uh, driving around or running or whatever you do when you're listening to podcasts. So that's another great way for you to keep up with this program and, um, and to keep learning and listening. Um, so yeah, if you don't have the mobile app, we'd love for you to go on to your app store and download it. So just on your mobile device, go into the app store and type in Calvary, or sorry, type in Grace FM into your app store and it'll come right up and you just put that on your device and you'll be able to listen live wherever you're at. You can also always go to our website, so gracefm.com and you can listen live on there as well. So however you're tuning in today, welcome to the program. We're glad you're with us. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or about things going on in your life. 
We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. So do give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always a good time to call in because uh, we are waiting for those lines to fill up. So now is a good time to call in if you've been wanting to get on the show or ask your question that you've always been curious about, do give us a call, 303-690-3000. So just a few words about myself. My name, again, is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I am your host here every Monday on Calvary Live. But I've been filling in a little bit well, so I was with you three times last week, and I'll be with you again um, another time this week, I believe. But uh, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont. And if you're familiar with the city of Longmont or if you're in the surrounding area, our church meets right downtown on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So we're right at the corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, the northwest corner. And we'd love for you to come and worship with us sometime. If you're in the area or maybe if you know somebody in the area, uh, in the Longmont area, do send them our way or come out yourself. We'd love to meet you and worship with you. God's doing some great things in our fellowship, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So our church uh, address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue. So 700 Longs Peak Avenue, and we're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue right downtown in Longmont, just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. And you can also hear us every weekday. Our sermons are aired here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you're not in church on Sunday, uh, do tune in to Grace FM. You can hear us at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. You'll hear our sermons, but you can also tune in again every weekday at 2.30 and hear them as well. And you can go check out our website. It's got directions to our church. It's got, um, it has sermons from the past that you can catch up on or listen to on demand. So that website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. And again, if you're a podcast listener, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. So you can just go into the podcast search engine and type in Whitefields Community Church, and it should come right up and you can tune in and listen to podcasts on there. We're going to go to our callers in just a second, but I want to tell you one quick thing. Um, This past Sunday was Easter Sunday, so just yesterday, unless you're hearing this a week later, but just yesterday was Easter Sunday, and uh, just as as I'm sure in so many churches, it was just such a a great time together. our, Our worship team did a really great job kind of preparing, making sure things were really special. And um, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. We heard the gospel. It was a great time. And on Saturday, this past Saturday, something I told you guys a lot about last week when I was hosting a couple times, was that we had our big Easter outreach, and it went great. We got written up in the newspaper, and um, we had a lot of people come out. Grace FM was there with us, handing out t-shirts and stickers and meeting people from the community and getting people to tune into this show. So hopefully some of you who are listening today are people who heard about Grace FM uh, in Longmont and Roosevelt Park this past weekend at our Easter outreach. But we also were able to share the gospel with so many people, and uh, it was just a really big blessing. We saw some of those people come to church on Sunday, which was exciting, and um, we're just uh, very blessed. So Jesus is risen indeed, and that's why we have reason to rejoice. Uh, Let's go to our first caller. 
who is Scott. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Pastor. How are you doing? Doing great. What's up? Um, so, well, I just recently went through a divorce uh, that started in December and was finalized at the end of March. And uh, through that entire process, it was it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, here we go. Nothing, you know, because it just seemed like there was nothing left in that relationship. And, and I was fully ready to move forward. And, and it's just these last two weeks, maybe maybe a little bit longer, um, my wife has, like, really been just on my heart on my mind and you know it's it was something where i like i prayed for her every day of our marriage uh prayed for us and then uh when december came i i continued praying for about a month and, and then i just stopped because it was like okay you know i think i've done my due diligence a month after here we go and it's time to move on with my own life and, and uh now here it is three months past that and now it's just you know it's it, i don't know it's it, just back on my heart, like, really strongly, too. Like, there, there's something that's happening possibly in her life, possibly in my life, um, but I, I just i am not seeing or understanding what it is that, hmm. you know. Um, you know, maybe it's because I still love her. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I just I, I just don't know what it is. So uh, I'm I'm just looking for some prayer of discernment, understanding, um, guidance, sure. direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Let's I mean, I've, I've moved a hundred miles away from her, so it's not like I'm going to bump into her to figure it out. But uh, you know, I just I just started praying for her again, um, like I said, about two two weeks ago, and and uh, I haven't really felt any kind of direction or or discernment other than like now I'm back on that process like where I used to build her things and it's like, Oh, you know, and I start to see things. Oh, she would like that. And I'll take a picture of it, but I don't want to text or email her because she's probably not expecting and or wanting to hear from me. So I'm just trying to figure it out. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this, Scott. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, if you got divorced, you felt that there was something that was irreparably damaged in your marriage. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that's something which, I mean, is that, are you open to reconciliation? Is she open to it? Or is this something where that's really not on the table? Um, honestly, I, I, I didn't want it to go the way that it did. Uh, but once that decision had been made, uh, it was just like, okay, let's do it. Hmm. Uh, we were, we were married for about three years and, uh, gosh, it, Divorce was talked more about than um, actual like love or, or anything like that. So it was just it was really difficult um, trying to either even figure out like how she really felt about me when that's going on. And then uh, towards the end there, like right at the end, uh, I really had no idea how she felt about me. And, and uh, you know, uh, not that I did, not that I helped it by being mean and texting horrible things uh, just out of my own frustration and, and hurt and misunderstandings or whatever it was, you know, it's like, so I, I totally own like my part in that, that, you know, I drove it to that edge where it pushed her over and she was just done and, and out, you know, 
so I don't know if she's open to reconciliation, uh, but I'm just waiting for God. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I keep praying, you know, it's like, what, why, you know, like there, there seemed to be nothing left in our marriage that was worth fighting for, you know, it, it didn't seem like she wanted to fight for me. Uh, and I, I felt like I was fighting for her, but maybe I wasn't doing it right. Yeah. Um, I see. You know, or, or, or maybe, maybe I was just telling myself that I was when I wasn't doing enough. Well, I, I only ask that, Scott, because um, I've been part of now two couples. We have a couple now in the church that I'm in, and I had a couple in the uh, church that I pastored before this one uh, where they had actually gotten divorced, and then a couple of years later they got remarried. And in one case it was quite a few years later, um, and in the other case it was a couple. So, you know, I think that um, this is wise of you, you know, to say, hey, I'll seek the Lord, and, and I just want the Lord to show me what to do. You know, I was I was reading today in James chapter 4, and James has this whole thing where he's, he's talking about being humble before God. And then he goes on to describe what humility before God looks like. And what he says in James 4 is he's describing humility before God, and he says, you know, those of you who say, you know, I'm going to make all these plans for my life, and, and I'm going to make these uh, plans of what I'm going to do in, in my five-year plan, he says, hey, you know, don't forget that your life is a mist that appears for a short time and you need to be humble before the Lord and just put it all in his hands and say, Lord, if you will, then I'll do this and and not like make plans apart from God. And I just thought that was such a good word. And I mean, that, that sounds to me like that's where your heart's at right now. And I just want to encourage you in that. that as yeah, James, plans, James 4. Okay. Yeah. And and he goes on in that same thread, but really James four is is the area where I would point you to. But it's um, it's very, I don't know, encouraging, convicting. It's got, it gives a lot of guidance as for how we make our plans. But it, it's the idea that we hold our things with open hands. That if God wants to give, God wants to take away. If He wants to redirect, we are going to go where He wants us to go. So, let me uh, pray for you and just um. It's a, it sounds like a really interesting time, Scott. I'm, I'm excited for you to hear what God's going to do in your life. Yeah, and as many times as we've been separated within our marriage, you know, that it felt like we, we always grew the most when we were apart, which is unfortunate, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think in that time apart, you know, we were, we were able to, like, really kind of figure out, like, well, I, you know, do I want him, do I want her? And, you know, I, I the entire time... I was always just like, okay, what do I got to do to yeah. win her back? And, and, and what is it going to look like when I get her back? How am I, how am I going to have changed in that time? And, you know, am I, am I seeking the Lord enough to, you know, make a difference in my life? And, and is he doing what needs to be done in my life? You know, that, that change that, you know, where he's working on her and he's working on me has that change occurred enough to where now when we're, when we're together that it will be, you know, that permanent bond, uh, yeah. you know, where it's like what God brings together, no man can tear apart, but you know, it's, well, it's like, well, is, is it really advice, brought together? My advice to you, Scott is, yeah, definitely dedicate this time to growing in the Lord. And no matter what happens, like whether you guys ever get back together or not, seek the Lord with your whole heart. 
and um, and and trust in him. Ask him to lead you into the right thing. And who knows, that might be bringing you guys back together. If it does, or if it doesn't, I just would encourage you get in some really healthy patterns. Um, you know, if it, if it is again with her, or if you know something else happens in your life, you know, get in these healthy patterns where you're uh, growing and countable, and where you're with other people, and uh, where you're growing especially if you're together, that you guys can grow together and, you know, get in, if you need counseling, get in counseling, but also be in part of a, a biblical fellowship and stuff like that's going to be really important. So but let me let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Scott and I, I pray for his, his now ex-wife, Lord. Um, it sounds like they really love each other, but they, they have done a lot of things that were hurting each other and hurt their, their marriage. Lord, I do pray that you would do a work of healing in their own hearts, in their minds, uh, from the words that were said. We know they caused so much damage. Um, but Lord, also we know that you can heal those things, and we know that you can forgive those things. And we know even, Lord, that you do works of redemption. You take bad things and use them for good and for your purposes. And Lord, also beyond that, you do even sometimes works of restoration uh, here in this life. And so if that's your will, Lord, for Scott and his uh, ex-wife, Lord, I do pray that you would do a work of restoration in their lives. Um, but most of all, Lord, I pray that in this time when they're apart, um, whether they get back together or not, Lord, I pray that you would draw them near to yourself, that they would do what James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, and that they would resist the devil. They do all these things by your power working within them but Lord, that they would take those acts of faith and obedience and uh, and do them so that they might grow. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, I'm, Scott. God bless I'll you. I'll be Thank excited you, to hear, uh, hear what happens. Me too. Okay. God bless you. <laughs> no, thank All right, you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got two open lines. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. Again, that's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Chris in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Uh, not a lot. My question is kind of like a like curiosity. Um, and uh, when one of the disciples came to Jesus and asked him if, his, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day, uh, you forgive him seven times. And Jesus said, not only seven times, seven times 70. Does that have any correlation with Daniel's seven the year prophecy? Or 70-week prophecy, excuse me. Yeah, so I don't think so, but okay. um, but who knows? I could be I could be way <laughs> wrong, right? But here's here's uh, what I understand it to mean. You know, seven okay. being the number of, like, the perfection, right? So it rec represents fullness, perfection. Um, and then so there's this idea, you know, they said... See, because here, you know, the story behind that is that these people came up to him and they thought that they were like, man, Jesus is all about forgiveness and grace and stuff. So we're going to like impress him by showing him like that we get it right. So they come up to him and they go, Jesus, check this out. Like we totally are picking up what you're putting down. We totally get what you're about. Like if somebody sins against me and then I forgive them, but they keep doing the same thing. I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to do it seven times. And they're like expecting Jesus to be like, yeah, you're getting it. 
and just is like, okay, but you're still not totally getting it because it's not like seven times. It's like, let's, let's multiply that out. And the, the answer to that is, well, how much is, you know, it wasn't that uh, you're supposed to keep a tally, like to make sure, you know, that if the person reaches 490 times that, okay, fine, you've done it 490 times. Now you're cut off. So um, it, the idea was just that you're supposed to do it an infinite number of times because the fact is that we forgive because God has first forgiven us. We love because God's first loved us. And the idea is that, man, you know what? We do that. There are probably things that we have, um, you know, asked, we, we've asked for forgiveness for and we said, God, I promise I'll never, ever do that again. And then we right. do it again. And how many times does God forgive us? Well, <laughs> way more than seven times, way more times than than we uh, deserve, of course. So anyway, I think that's the whole heart behind it. I mean, maybe there's a correlation there, but I don't think that was Jesus' intent personally. Thank you. I have one more question real quick, if uh, that's okay. Right, go for it, yeah. Um, it would be, um, I think it's Matthew uh 21, verse 22, 1 and 22, the lesson of the fig tree, where uh, it says uh, that if you have faith without doubting, you will be able to do to the same, what I did to this tree, and you'll be able to say to the mountain, be moved in, it will be d done for you, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you believe. Yeah. Does that have anything to do with um, John chapter 15, um, uh, verses 1 through 8. Because, um, yeah, John 15, I, 1 through 8, having to do with the, the vine and the branches, right? Yeah, yeah, because it, it's, a, you know, because the vineyard would be um, Israel, is that correct? Yes. Okay, and then he said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me uh, that does not bear fruit, is t uh, he takes away. Yeah, um, and no, I do think there's. Later... Go ahead. Go ahead. So I think there's a correlation here um, between what he's saying. I mean, at least we can draw a line between the principles, which I think mm -hmm. I think there is a correlation. He's talking about how the fig tree um, had no fruit. And the reason why Jesus cursed the fig tree was because it had no fruit on it. In fact, if you look at other versions of that same story, I mean, that's why he curses the fig tree is he mm -hmm. looks at it and he sees that it has no fruit on it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just looking up the other versions of that story. So like Mark 11. Yeah. So there, there you go. Mark 11 verse 12 says this on the following day, they came from Bethany and Jesus was hungry Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he mm -hmm. came now, he found nothing but leaves. Um, and he says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then he curses it. Yeah, and then and also in John uh, chapter 15, it's later on, it's verse 1 through 8, uh, he says, uh, he who does not um, abide in me is cast out as a as a branch and withered. Right. Um, and, yeah. So um, I'll just uh, say one more thing, which is actually maybe even a closer parallel. See all these synoptic gospels, um, they're kind of telling similar stories, but they add different features that sometimes there's because there were similar events, but they happen at different places and different times. 
so they weren't the same event. But in some cases, they add more details to the same event that give us a little bit more understanding of what that event was really about. So like in Luke 13, we read the same thing. Jesus tells now a parable, which, okay, this may be not the same event, but he tells a, a story about a fig tree. He says there's a fig tree planted in a vineyard. He comes looking fruit for fruit. He finds none. And then he says, look, it's been three years and this fig tree is not producing any fruit. So let it be dug up. And the, the person says to him, wait, can we just wait one more year? We'll fertilize it. And then if it doesn't bear fruit, then you can cut it down. And so all of these things, yeah, it still parallels with what you're saying in John 15, where Jesus is saying, which he, he said uh, in other terms elsewhere, right? Where he said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. There he says, well, here's how something keeps bearing fruit. It's uh, connected to the source of life, which is the branch. Or sorry, the, uh, the vine. Yeah, sorry, it's connected to the vine, the source of life. He's the vine, we're the branches. If we stay connected to him, uh, the result of that will be much fruit and fruit is how we bring glory to God. Well, I do think it's uh, connected. You know, the idea behind the fig tree not bearing fruit is that it's, uh, it's not connected to the source and it's fruitless. So God comes into the, into the orchard, you could say, looking for fruit in our lives. Well, so thank you. I appreciate that. God bless you. And God bless you. Uh, thank you for calling. taking my questions and you have a blessed day. You too. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Bonnie in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Bonnie. Welcome to the program. Hi, Nick. How you doing, Pastor Nick? Doing great. What's up? Um, I was hoping you could pray for me and my husband. Um, we're we're we have an eviction um, uh, notice, and um, I just he has the interview tomorrow, and um, I was just wondering if you could pray for us um, that he gets a job or uh, blessed with a job soon, because we'll be homeless if we if we don't. Yeah, well, let's pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, we pray for Bonnie. Uh, we pray for her husband and uh, facing this difficulty, Lord. I um, My heart goes out to them, Lord. I know that you definitely care about them. You know what tomorrow holds, even if they don't. And you know what beyond tomorrow holds. And Lord, I pray that they would rest in that certainty, that you know what's going on with them, that their times are in your hands, as the psalmist said. And Lord, we pray for them that this interview would go really well tomorrow. I pray for that her husband would conduct himself well, that he would be prepared, and that uh, he would have the answers to their questions. And Lord, if this is your will for them, uh, Lord, I pray that he would get this job and that it would be able to be your way of providing for them so that they can have a place to live. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't end up homeless and that you'd provide for their needs. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. I really, I listen to your show every day. Awesome. So glad to hear that. God bless you, yes. Bonnie. Thanks for calling in, and I'm hoping that goes uh, well thanks. tomorrow. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are about to go to our break. I think we have about one minute until our break, so we'll, I'll hold the callers, uh, rest of the callers until then. Hey, we've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000, or text us at 720 
336-0897. I've got a text question that I'm going to try and get to before we reach the end of the, the uh, halfway point. Here's the question. Hi, I'm wondering if our pet dogs will be with us in heaven. Here's my answer. I didn't used to think so, um, but I read this great book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. It's a clever title, right? He called it Heaven, and in that book, he he goes through like a biblical exposition of everything the Bible says about heaven and kind of compares that with a lot of misnomers that people generally have about heaven. And one of his conclusions he makes is he actually does believe that animals will be in heaven and perhaps even our pets. So I can say this with confidence. I think there will be animals uh, in heaven, but I, I don't know about pets, but I think there's some hope for that. Anyway, if you're interested, check out Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Hey, we're going to be back in two minutes' time. We're going to break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000 and the text line is 720-336-0897. We have full lines right now, but as soon as a caller drops, always just be ready to uh, call in if you have been waiting to get uh, your question in and we'd love to hear from you. Let's go to our next caller, which is, oh, I lost the next caller. Hang on one second. It is Karen in New Jersey. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the program. Hello there. Hi. I was on hold and I uh, spoke to somebody and told them I'm going to stay on here. If, it, if my questions meant to be answered, my cell phone won't die. <laughs> All right, cool. But here I am. Um, it was really... I'm piggybacking off of your radio station that I'm listening to right now, and I forgot that you're a week ahead. Okay. And it was it was talking about um, a man who called in and was asking about when Jesus comes during the rapture, and then Satan will be chained up for a thousand years, and then he's coming back again, and he was having difficulty figuring out whether he's coming back twice or three times. And okay. in it, it, you mentioned that he will judge the living and the dead. And that's been my major question for so long, trying to figure out, as Christians, um, what we believe is that when we die, we're judged then, right? And then we go to heaven or hell. Um, um, no, so I'm, let me, I'm asking that. Yeah. I really am because I'm not sure. Because yeah. then that that statement where Jesus judges the living and the dead makes me think that when you die, you are dead until Jesus comes again. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of timeline. Then hopefully this can help answer your question. Let's say so. Right now, everybody who dies, let's uh, well, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back before Jesus died and resurrected. And let's talk about how it worked and then how Jesus' death and resurrection changed some things and then what's to come. Hopefully this will answer your question. Okay, so in the past, you know, a lot of people ask this question. What happened to people who died 
uh, in the Old Testament times. And I think it's actually more, it's actually really important to understand that in order to understand how we understand it now and what happens to somebody who dies now. Okay, so in the Old Testament time, they had something which the Old Testament refers to as Sheol. Sheol is the dwelling place of the dead. Now that means the dead who died in faith and the dead who died apart from faith. They all went to Sheol. Sheol is just a, you know, it is where all dead people go or dead souls. And Sheol itself, though, was divided into two sections. There was a section called Hades or hell, uh, which is a place of torment. Like so a good place to go to to read a description of this would be Luke chapter 16 in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. They both die. They both go to Sheol, but there's uh, they go to the different sections of Sheol. Uh, Lazarus goes to the part called Abraham's bosom, which is a place of comfort as they await salvation, which is to come through the Messiah who will die as atoning sacrifice for their sin and then be resurrected to make a way for them to be uh, live eternally. Now, then the rich man who did not die in faith, he goes to Hades or hell, which is a place of torment, but it's also a waiting area. Okay, because that's not the final destination. So that's the one thing I want you to remember. That when people die, where they go now, even now, is not their final destination. Where they go now, as they did before Jesus died, is really uh, kind of what you would call like a holding place. It's a waiting room, so to say. Right? But those who died in faith, like the Old Testament saints, they went to Abraham's bosoms. Those who died apart from faith went to Hades or hell. Uh, which again, place of torment versus Abraham's bosom was a place of comfort. But what we have in, uh, we have two verses that, that kind of give us a picture of what happened during the time after Jesus died, during the three days before he resurrected. And Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter, and I'm not remembering the exact verse right now, maybe chapter 3, I could look it up in a minute, but it's 1 Peter. And what it says is that Jesus, he descended, and what it seems is that he went into Sheol and he set free those who were in Abraham's bosom and led them in his train, it says, uh, to heaven. And so he goes to heaven and he takes, uh, and what I mean by heaven is it, the dwelling place, the presence of God. And he takes those who are in Abraham's bosom and takes them to the presence of God. Those who are in hell, Hades, stay there. So here's what this, this picture looks like for somebody who dies now. If you die now, uh, those who die apart from faith in Jesus would still go to Hades and hell, just like those before. Uh, those who die in faith go immediately to the presence of God. So there are several allusions to this in the New Testament. You know, it says stuff like, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and, and things like this. And then we see, like in Revelation, that those who die are around the throne of God. They are in heaven watching the events that are still taking place on earth. Okay, so that's what happens if somebody dies now. That's, that's the scenario. Now, that's not the final thing, though, because what it says is that when Jesus returns in the second coming, he, there will be a resurrection of the dead, right? So the, he will judge the living and the dead, all those who have lived in the past and those who are alive when he returns. He will gather them up, you know, and it says like in Matthew that he'll separate them like sheep and goats and they will be judged. Now, um, that means that hell, it actually says that hell, you know, Hades empties out its dead. Everyone comes to the judgment 
from their holding places, right? And they'll be judged. And then those who, uh, who are sent, let's say, to eternal punishment, it says that hell and Hades is emptied, Revelation says this, emptied into the lake of fire, which is the final judgment. And it says the second death. So that is the final resting you know, place or final, not really resting place, final place for those who die apart from faith. Uh, what, when they die now and they go to Hades or hell, that is really a somewhat temporary situation until the final judgment. Now, those who die and go to the presence of God, then they will, you know, those who, who Jesus was judged for their sins, their judgment is really one of reward, right? The, the idea is the bima seat in Greek. It's the idea of the reward throne like you would have at the Olympics. And those people, then, oh. after they receive their rewards, they're going to go to the sometimes called heaven, but really the Bible describes it as the new heavens and the new earth, where God dwells with his people in this renewed creation, this restored, but not even restored, it's like fulfilled creation. So does that help sort that out a bit? Uh, well, you know what? I never, ever heard that and now I never knew that um and I so there is when he judges the dead well the dead before his Jesus's resurrection so they were in Sheol so they were there were they were aware of that then they're not just dead they're yeah, so it seems that there's... Of it. Okay. Sure, it's actually referred to... I think I to, might overthink things when it comes to this, because yeah. I try to picture it in my mind, so to speak. Well, it is referred to, I mean, that the, the theological terminology of this uh, is called eternal conscious punishment. So, I mean, it's it's conscious, for sure. And... Um, and so I guess just think of it in these terms. Here's, here's the last thing I would say. Some people would say, well, why, does, why is the judgment taking place at all in this case? Because they've already been sent to hell, right? Like, is it going to get worse? My answer would actually be, actually, maybe yes. Um, because all of the terminology that's talked about with heaven and with judgment, it talks about things like harsher judgment, right? It says, for example, Jesus says to uh, Chorazim, you know, he says, it will be harder for you on the day of judgment than for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And what he's describing is that it's, we like to think in equality terms, right? Like egalitarian, like, hey, we all go to heaven and it's all going to be the same for everybody. And some people go to hell and it's all going to be the same. And actually, I would argue with that. I would say that, um, no, not everybody's going to be in the same have the same judgment, nor are they going to have the same uh, reward. So, for example, Jesus talks about, he goes, he gives a parable, you know, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a landowner who goes away and leaves his servants in charge. And then when he comes back, he asks them, hey, what'd you do with the stuff that I left in ch you in charge of? And they tell what they did. And then he says, okay, well, to this person, I reward you by putting you in charge of five cities. And this person's in charge of 10 cities. Right. And then this person is not going to be in charge of any cities. In other words, th those rewards are not equal. So I would argue that while I believe heaven is going to be good and wonderful and better than anything we can imagine for everyone who's there, it won't be equal. Um, and that's why what we do in this life actually matters. That's why the rewards that we're working for uh, and seeking actually matter. And the Bible tells us we should seek them. 
conversely, those who go to hell, I believe that there will be levels of judgment. You know, and somebody might say, hey, well, you know, what about, um, let's say there was a really nice person who lived and yet they didn't believe in Jesus. Are they going to get the same punishment as Hitler and Pol Pot and Stalin? Well, that, my answer would be, no, they're not. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. I never, never knew this. I really didn't. Um, I, I uh, was brought up Catholic, and almost what you were saying um, sounded like purgatory and Linda. <laughs> but um, I can see where they would get that. Was well, definitely not not purgatory. The idea of purgatory it literally means you know pur purgatorium. It literally means something where it's you're purged of. Uh, it means uh, cleansing fire, and the idea behind it is that you can actually uh, you're in limbo. You can get out, which is not the case. With right, what I'm talking right. About. Yeah, that's how that's what they used to always say. I haven't practiced Catholicism. I'm 57, and since I was about 20 years old, but. Um, I had married a Baptist guy, but I really got saved just on my own on a particular day, and I begged Jesus to save me from myself um, and from all my sins, and um, I just love Jesus. I love learning about Him, but some things when I read it in the Bible just, just get me twisted, and well, that was always one of them, and I always remember reading that God um, made uh, the earth, and it will never perish, only the wicked will be destroyed. And I really started thinking, um, or understanding it to be that the earth will be renewed when He comes, and that's where we're going to live, because that was the original intention. Well, I do think that, the, that heaven, in the sense of the new heavens and new earth, will be a restored, recreated, fulfilled creation. I don't think we'll be floating around on clouds. I don't think it'll be ethereal. In fact, that just doesn't sound even that great to me, to be honest. Um, and I love what C.S. Lewis said. Uh, somebody said, you know, oh, why would I want to go to heaven where there's like angels playing harps? And his response was, don't be ridiculous. Like, that is just dumb. Like, that, I thought it was funny because, you know, C.S. Lewis usually... A uh, pretty intellectual type of guy, and he's just like, uh, that's dumb. Don't say that. So uh, I thought it was funny. But anyway, the point is that it, it it will be much more of a tangible thing than an ethereal thing. Um, that's the way heaven is described. And, and, you know, to my caller earlier, I was just talking to someone uh, just right before the break answering a text question about animals in heaven, and I recommended this book. And I would recommend it to you, too, because uh, I think it would be really helpful for what you're asking but uh, the book is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. So just type in your search engine, Heaven, Randy Alcorn with a C, and you will find it. And I, I actually started reading the book expecting it to be kind of cheesy, but it's not cheesy at all. It's a very good book, and I would recommend it. Yeah, I love my puppy and all that stuff, right? Because that kind of, you know how people all think they discovered the love of dogs recently in the last decade. Uh -huh. I'm like, people love their dogs forever. Now all of a sudden they're like treated like people. That's but, um, well, let, let me let you go because I got a couple other callers and texters to get to. But hey, thanks for your call and I hope that. I was it able really, to answer really some of your helped. questions. Thank you so much for your patience too. You and bet. God bless you. 
You too. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Let's go to Brandy in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Brandy. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Um, I have visited your church in Longmont and love it, and I'm just so grateful to listen to Grace FM every day and every time I'm in my car. So thank you very much for that. Um, My question and kind of a comment is more about faith. Um, So my mom is, uh, she has stage four leiomyosarcoma. She's actually in the hospital right now. Um, and she's had that she's actually outlived her life expectancy with this cancer. And, um, there was a neighbor of hers who said, you know what, you just, you don't have enough faith. And my mom is a very faithful woman and loves the Lord. And, um, it really just kind of made my mom really upset to hear this. And it upset me too. And, um, do I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love Him without, with all my heart? Absolutely. But do I sometimes question my own faith in Him? Yes, especially when, you know, you have a sick parent, and you're like, all right, Lord, like, I know, I, I trust you, I know that this is in your will, and then, like, maybe things don't go the way that we would like them to, but we know that He's got this. And yeah. so, I don't really know how to phrase this question, but is... This something where if your faith is not strong enough that because you have a weak faith that you can't be healed? Because to me, I don't really like that. Like, I'm a human being, and when I do feel my faith falter, I'm like, I'm giving this to you, and Lord, I just have to let you know I, I'm i scared right now, and I don't have the faith. And I will just talk to him about not being, like, not having that strong faith. So I just kind of wanted to hear what your thoughts are on, on that. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and not a lot of time, so let me try and condense okay. them as much as I possibly can. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I would say that that doubt is actually a part of faith. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's naturally a part of faith. If, if there was no doubt, there wouldn't be faith. So, like, and actually, here's one of the most incredible verses that... You know, I've read so many times and I just somehow didn't notice this until like really recently. Okay, check this out. Matthew 28, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's with his disciples and uh, right before he gives them the Great Commission, like this is like three verses from the end of the book. So Jesus shows up to his disciples, right? This is like after Thomas puts his hands in Jesus's uh or puts his fingers in Jesus' wounds and all that. It says this, Mm -hmm. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Wait, who are these people who doubted? These are the people who are looking at Jesus resurrected, standing Mm -hmm. in front of them. So if you can see Jesus resurrected standing in front of you and still doubt, um, I, you know, then the, I think that, you know, I'm probably going to doubt too because I don't see him, right? Like, right. So, uh, and there are plenty of examples of people doubting in the Bible and God being very patient with them and not condemning them. On the other hand, there are people, there are times when Jesus challenged his disciples to have more faith, right? He called them you of little faith. He said, you know, you've seen these things. How come that hasn't caused you to have more faith right now? Then on the other hand, there was a time like in Mark's gospel where he says that Jesus 
could do no miracles in this one place. And um, the reason was because of their unbelief. So I, I would say this. If there is unbelief, and I would, I would describe unbelief as a kind of cynicism, where you're kind mm. of a scoffer, right? Like that's the word the Old Testament uses. You're a scoffer. You're like basically pshaw, like I don't buy it. I don't care. I don't want to believe. I've already made up my yeah. mind. Um, I think that is what we're talking about where okay. God says, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. Um, it, I heard a great phrase that I thought was really good. And then I'll give you a couple more thoughts and I'm trying to roll through these real fast. But this one guy I used to listen to, he always used to say this phrase. He said, um, without God, we can't, right? Which is what Jesus said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So without God, we can't, but without us, he won't. So it means that there's this partnership, right? So we have to trust and obey, and we have to have faith. Um, however, how much faith do you have to have in order for God to work? My answer would be, which I think, again, this is coming straight from Jesus. He says, just as much faith as a mustard seed. Now, mustard seed was the smallest known seed at that time. So what Jesus is saying, if you just have a tiny smidgen of faith you can you know it can move mountains and who moves the mountains is it our faith that moves the mountains no it's God who moves the mountains it's just us having enough faith to come to God and ask him to do something according to his will the best example of this that I I find in the New Testament Acts chapter 12 I love this chapter because it's so funny here's what happens Peter's in jail and the church gathers together and they're going to have a prayer meeting to pray for Peter to get out of jail. So they start praying and while they're praying, God, get Peter out of jail, set him free, Lord. Then Peter actually does get out of jail. Like it says in that the doors open and Peter walks out of jail and he's just walking down the street. Where's he going to go? Well, he's going to go to where the church gathers, which is probably somebody's house. So he goes there and he knocks on the door and they send this servant girl to open the door and she opens the door. There's Peter standing there. She slams the door, assuming it's his ghost, which is also very funny. She's like, they're praying for him to be set free. He is set free. She doesn't even believe it. She has, doesn't even have enough faith to believe that what she's praying is actually going to happen, in other words. And so then all the other people, she tells them, hey, uh, I think Peter's outside. And they're like, no, 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 definitely can't be Peter. We all know he's in jail. You don't just get out of jail. Then they go right back to praying, God, please set Peter free. In other words, they're praying for something, but they have almost no faith at all that it's actually going to happen. Because when it does happen, they don't believe it. Which means that they prayed for something. And I would say this, they had enough faith to come to God in prayer. And that's all it takes. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I, I needed to hear that. And and I, 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 I like that I can have this relationship where I'm just like vulnerable, like, Lord, I'm trying so hard to have faith, but it is scary right now. And I feel like that's okay. And so I think that comment just kind of knocked both of my, both my mom and I off our, whatever, our seat because we were just like, wait, we do have a lot of faith, but like, so you're telling us that my mom hasn't been cured because her faith isn't strong enough. And that, that just really was kind of yeah. irked us. Well, I'll tell you one more thing, if you don't mind. Um, no. And that was, that's this, that I actually think that that, that teaching that this person is giving you uh, or that, you know, doctrine or whatever, uh, I think it's actually really bad for, for one other reason, because of what it says about God. Let me just tell you a quick story. I, had a, I have a daughter. She's now nine years old. When she was born, she almost died. She was in a coma. 
And, uh, you know, we, we were told she has a 10% chance of living. And then beyond that, we were told she has a 10% chance of ever being fully healthy. Like she, they told us that she'll have severe uh, difficulties. And, you know, we came to we, we came to the place where we were ready to accept that and we were ready to move forward with that and take that as, um, you know, this is what we're going to work with for the rest of our lives. And, um, and then we asked people to pray and by God's grace, he healed her. And now she's perfectly healthy. And it was a true miracle. I mean, even her doctor, who is kind of a nominal Christian, came and spoke at uh, her first birthday party. This is when we lived in Europe. We lived in Hungary at the time. And um, he came and spoke at her funeral, you know, drove two hours to come. I'm sorry, not her funeral, her birthday party. Spoke at her birthday party, drove two hours on his own. It was amazing. And, you know, everybody looked at that. And they, uh, people in our church at the time, they were like, this is a true miracle. I mean, it was. So then I moved here to Colorado in 2012. And the guy who took over for me, he had a son. Uh, and he, his son was born only a couple months after we moved away. We were very happy for him. But then his son got sick. And a uh, very similar thing where the you know, whole church, everybody that we knew in our networks and everything, praying for his son to get better. And his son didn't get better, and he died. And we had somebody uh, who came, you know, somebody in our church, actually, somebody that was, was a friend of mine. And they came to this new pastor. Uh, his name's Yanni. And they came to Yanni, and they said, Well, look, Yanni, uh, Nick, his daughter was sick, and we prayed and Nick prayed, and, and she got better, and, and you prayed, and your son died. And clearly, Nick had faith, and you don't, and mm. that's why your son died. And I had to confront that person and say, you know what? This, what you're saying is not only not true, uh, first of all. Secondly, it is actually evil and despicable, because you know what yeah. you're saying is that you're saying that God is just capricious. You're saying that God plays games, right? And, and they, they even gave me, they made me watch this video of this guy who was teaching on this, and he had this the dumbest exposition where he said, oh, well, you know, you got to have 10 apples worth of faith to get what you want. If you have nine, that's not enough. And I just think that's, that's, that's almost blasphemous, because, or maybe it yeah. is blasphemous, because what you're saying is that God plays games with us, Oh, sorry, you didn't have enough, so now your kid dies, right? No, I don't think that's how it works. I think that takes away from God's sovereignty, and it, it paints God as just this capricious, very petty uh, person who's playing games with us, and that is not who our God is. He's a good God who who does things, uh, Some and we live in a broken world. Sometimes he manifests his kingdom in response to our prayers, uh, and sometimes he heals us only when this life is over, so... Thanks for bearing with me through that long answer. Oh, no, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate those words. And uh, my mom's name is Vicki, and she's in the hospital right now. So I would just love it. I know you have to go, but just a quick little prayer for my mom, Vicki. Absolutely. Let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, we pray for Vicki, and we do ask, Lord, that you would heal her. We ask that you would manifest your power, and, Lord, that you would heal her. And, Lord, we put all our trust and all our faith in you. We put our faith in you knowing that you are able and, Lord, that you are willing but we put all our trust in you, just like Jesus did. When he said, not our will, but your will be done. We pray mm -hmm. that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. We have time for one more caller. Let's go to Lori in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, how are you? Doing well. What's so I, I know you only have a few minutes, so I just 
this just popped into my head um, because, let me tell you why it popped into my head. It, just with everything going on in the world today, um, and for certain believers that um, are looking forward to the rapture, etc., I know one of the scriptures says, when you see that it is nigh, look up. And I find myself looking up a lot anyway. But um, what I'm trying to say is, is when the rapture does come, and um, whether it's sooner or later, and, um, the, and, and, and I know that the, the dead in Christ, such as my mother who passed away 31 years ago, I know that she's with you know in with in in the body with in body and spirit with Christ or in spirit with Christ body is yeah. yet to be resurrected. Right. So um so I do believe that she will like let's you know for example she'll be it says they will be raised first the dead in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then um we on earth believers will be raised second to be caught up in the air with them. And then we go I don't know exactly I'm I'm not polished on my scripture, where we go at that point, but I do know that then he comes back and he sets up his his millennium, correct? Yes. With those people, like the people that he raptured, correct? Right. Now, I'm, now my question is, are those people, excuse my dog in the background, are those people oh, his we've reached the end of Are they his are bride? Let me answer you yeah. real quick, because it's the end of the show. Uh, his bride are all those who will be his in the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is the new heavens and the new earth. So, uh, yes, they are, but that's not all of his bride. His bride is everybody. Thanks for the question. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Tune in every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.